In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's talk about getting buy-in for data science. How do we prove the value of our data, of our marketing data? So one of the things that uh, has come up as a topic recently is getting people in the C-suite, the execs, mm -hmm. to recognize the value and importance of data, particularly data science within, not just within marketing, but in general. A lot of folks, understandably, are a little confused by what this thing is, what value it does or doesn't provide. And uh, the folks on my side of the table and the, the data science crowd have a tendency to be a little too technical in what we talk about that, that whew, right over the heads of, of people who uh, don't care, honestly. Uh, they just want to know what it's going to do for them. So Katie, help me help you as a CEO. How do I talk to you about the value of data and the value of data science? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this and I have always played the role of mediator between the two sides of the house. And I feel like that's a big part of what needs to happen is you is there needs to be and it's a lot of times it's a PM or an account manager, you know, sort of that like product owner who can advocate for both, you know, audiences who can advocate for the technical team, for the data science team, and also advocate for the C-suite and sort of bring the two pieces together. And so what that really means is understanding where both sides are coming from. And so if you don't have that mediator, you know, so Chris, let's say you're bringing to me, like, I want to do this, you know, GPT-12, Lingo, Ringo, R-squared, whatever. And I'm like, I don't get it. Why do we need to do this? And you'll say, because it's cutting edge, because it's this, because it's that. What you haven't told me are the benefits to the business, the risks if we don't do it. And with that, the risks if we don't do it in terms of losing audience, losing money, losing clients. The risks can't be because we'll fall behind. And so that's part of the challenge with communicating these things communicating the value to people who need to make those decisions is you have to meet people where they are now the flip side of that with the c-suite what i've experienced is they try to get too in the weeds they try to understand too much of the technical feeling like that's how they're going to make better decisions and the whole purpose of the conversation gets lost i used to work with uh, a stakeholder who would try to get so far down into the weeds with what the uh, development team was doing that he would get so confused and we spent so much time trying to educate him on what the team was doing that we couldn't get him to make a decision because he didn't understand every single component of what was happening. And it was a complete distraction from just getting him to make a decision. And so that then became my job to sort of pull him up out of the weeds and then decipher what the engineering team was doing in a way that he could understand it. Now, Chris, in your experience, you've primarily been on the side of the technical folks, but you haven't always had that intermediary, right? That's true. I mean, uh, when you first joined my team uh, back at the old shop, um, I was the, the person who was talking to uh, executive stakeholders within the agency and with other clients as well. And so what challenges did you run up against? Uh, 
all manner. I mean, from it's been sort of an, an ongoing story of my entire career that no one actually knows what I do, and therefore no one can effectively measure. Um, which means, among other things, you know, I I never got promoted uh, for anything. I had to quit jobs to 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 move on to whatever was next, and um, it was really difficult for other people to sell what I and my team had to offer because. They didn't really understand it. They had sort of a checklist of buzzwords that they felt comfortable using and even attempts at really dumbing it down um, still were challenging. Like I had trouble with folks explaining to them why they needed Google Analytics. Like just, just that, something that is very straightforward. Hey, you you're doing all this marketing. You should be measuring your marketing so you know what to do more of and what to do less of. Even that was a stretch for some people to like, uh, we don't measure things here. So it's interesting because I'm hearing the challenges in the way that you're saying it because you haven't given me concrete, like, dollar values. You haven't given me solid reasons. Like, you know, Katie, you should measure uh, the amount of flour that you put into your bread. Okay. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That to me is not a big enough reason for me to start to do something. However, if you say, Katie, you need to measure correctly the amount of flour that you put into your bread so that you can have good quality bread and not waste your time and burn down your kitchen and ruin all of your pans by not doing things correctly, you're going to waste money. You know, you're going to, you know, cause, you know, a big insurance claim because there was a fire in your kitchen. Like, now I'm listening. Now I'm understanding why it's important. Okay. If you, if you go back to that example of Google Analytics, how, let's say I knew nothing about it. How would you phrase that differently to me? Chris, why do I need Google Analytics? You, you don't. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I, I actually want to push this back towards you. Sure. Because this is a really good example. How would you explain the value and the necessity of upgrading from universal analytics to Google Analytics 4. We know all the technical reasons. We know what's going to happen with people's data. But given that we see a whole bunch of people not using their data anyway, mm -hmm. I need advice. How do I convince somebody that upgrading, migrating to Google Analytics 4, which is a, not a painless endeavor, mm -hmm. is something they should do? What, do you, what would you tell me to tell somebody else? So I do like how you pushed this back on me and didn't answer my initial question. So we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> in terms of advice, you know, so let's say, you know, you're using Trust Insight as, as the example. The reason why we upgraded from Google Analytics 3 to Google Analytics 4 was so that we wouldn't have data loss in terms of universal analytics being cut off and, you know, Google, Google rolling out, you know, version 4. And so, okay, great, data loss, who cares? Are you looking at your data? We internally make decisions around where to focus our effort, where to focus our time and our marketing and our money based on the data that we get from Google Analytics. So we are making decisions that have monetary value attached to them with our data from Google Analytics. So the advice I would start to give you in terms of, you know, counseling clients is, you know, we always ask, what decisions are you making with your data? Oh, I don't know, you know, what's working, what's not working. Okay, but 
what do you do when you find out something's not working? Uh, I mean, I kind of ignore it. Okay, then why are you looking at it in the first place? And so you need to keep going down that line of questioning to really get to the root of the problem someone's trying to solve. Because I think one of the mistakes, and we can dig into this, is we assume we know what we think the value is from the other person's perspective. But 10 times out of 10, we don't actually know what the other person is thinking. So that's actually where you need to start. It needs to be more of, you know, almost like an interrogation without it being sort of like scary, but interrogation of like, what is the real problem you're trying to solve? And then I can help frame the conversation around that. Okay. So pretend I'm Bob, the arrogant CMO, um, which is not a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) I know best what my customers want. I don't need analytics anyway. And, and you're trying to tell me we've, we've this Google analytics for business, whatever, what, why do I care about this? I, I, you know, I know what's best for my customers. And so I would actually start that conversation with like trying to understand. So Bob, how try to get inside his thinking process a little bit. So Bob, how is it that you know best? Like, what is it that you do that helps you understand what's best for your customers? And start- well, actually, Katie, let me tell you, <laughs> I know what's best for my customers. because I've been in this industry for 30 years and I've seen everything and all this newfangled stuff doesn't matter. I know what's best because I see it. Our company is the best. Great. And so continuing that line of, you know, qu- no, quite honestly, continuing yeah. that line of questioning, like, okay, so in your opinion, what is the best course of action for, our marketing, what's our next step? Our next step should be to build a flywheel. Right? We should build a, a market. I read about this in a magazine when I was on a flight from Las Vegas back to Boston, and it sounded really good. So, uh, And it was by some guy who had a Harvard, it was in Harvard Business Review. So uh, that's what we're going to do because clearly he was an expert. He was in Harvard Business Review. Okay, so help me understand how we're going to execute that you know, plan that you have. What, what is a flywheel going to do for us? Well, I told my uh, marketing director, figure it out. We need to have a flywheel by in 30 days. That's, okay. that's what I told them. All right. And so, you know, I can certainly work with the marketing director to put together this flywheel. So my question to you so that we can better, you know, execute your vision is what is your ideal outcome in terms of what do you want to get from this flywheel? What kind of decisions do you want to make with this flywheel? I, I told the board we're going to have 20% more customers. We're twenty percent more customers by this time next year. That's what this is going to do. Because that's what the article said. The article said mm-hmm. that you know this could improve your 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 revenue up to twenty percent. Like that's what we're going to do. And so, Bob, um, what happens if the flywheel, just for sake of conversation, what happens if the flywheel isn't, you know, giving us enough information? Are there other places that you would look to supplement that information? No, I'd, tell, I'd say it was my marketing director's fault, and I'll just fire them and get another one. Okay, cool. <laughs> now to be clear i'm not bob but we no, but have I've literally been in this conversation exactly before. we've both been in this conversation we're like oh my god you're an idiot well yeah <laughs> but it's not uncommon it's to not see uncommon. somebody with that data immune and fact-proof screen around them <laughs> and so in that situation the how best- do you sell them data science <laughs> The best course of action is to actually work with the marketing director. And so basically, so you're never going to get around the, the, the fact that you're going to be asked to do things that you think are asinine and ridiculous. Great. 
you can use that to build out almost like a business case, basically, to say, okay, if we go down this road of, you know, a flywheel, here's the likely outcome, and here's the reasons why, here's the research I've done, and you can give that to Bob. And Bob's going to be like, ah, forget it, we're going to do a flywheel anyway. You've already documented why it's probably not going to work. But then you also have over here, and here are the other things that could work. So, um, you know, I know I've talked about this before, but I used to run a steering committee of about 12 people who had PhDs in psychology, and they were trying to make decisions about a commercial software product. It was a huge mismatch because what the product did and what they wanted were two different things. And so once a month when I got them all together, if they all showed up, my job was to get them to make one single decision, just one. And so in the, the way in which I would do that is I would spend basically the entire month leading up to that next meeting, laying the foundation, gathering information, trying to understand from their perspective, like where their heads were, why they wanted something to move in a direction. And so in the instance of, you know, Bob, the dolt of a CMO, which, you know, we've all run into them. It's less about you saying, Bob, you're wrong. This is never going to work because that's going to fall on deaf ears. I would not try that tactic at all. It's really about you trying to get inside Bob's head of where is he coming from? Why is this the shiny object? Because there's always going to be a few layers down. The real answer is in there somewhere. And so your job whether you're a data scientist or an intermediary is to understand the other person. Now you're probably thinking, well, why is it my job to be the understanding one? Why can't they be the understanding one? Because that's just not how humans work. I can't, I've, and I mean this in all seriousness, like I've lost track of how many times someone has said like, why do I always have to be the bigger person? Because somebody has to be. So you need to choose, do I want to keep moving things forward or do I want to be stubborn? How much does hijacking someone's psychology take into this account? Because when I think of Bob, the, the, this Bob person, we clearly know he's Bob is not a particularly well-informed marketer, right? He reads airplane magazines, which are you know six to twelve months out of date at best. Um, but he also clings on to buzzwords like you know flies on manure, and so thinking about someone like Bob. I could almost see you making this of saying, you're right, Bob, a flywheel is a good idea, but wouldn't you love to have a data-driven flywheel? Would that be really cool? You could, re you could talk about that and, and showcase that to the board as just how, how smart a marketer you really are. If for those who can't see on the podcast, I'm shaking my head no. <laughs> the reason is because when you're dealing with a Bob, you know, someone who's in that power position who definitely is uninformed, they need to feel like it's their idea. So a better approach to that is, okay, so, you know, I know what my end goal is. I know that I would rather have Bob using data to make decisions other than wasting all of our time on a flywheel. So the foundation that I start to lay is, oh, hey, Bob, you know, I love this flywheel idea, or that's a really interesting idea. You don't have to outright lie to Bob. Like, that's probably not a great idea. But the conversation is, you know, that's really interesting. Let me do some research on flywheels and send it to you so that you can sort of like help me understand a little bit more about your exact idea of where a flywheel fits in. And so then it's an opportunity to 
not outright say Bob, a flywheel is a thing, but to educate Bob on, you know, other case studies of how flywheels have worked in other ways so that Bob can start to come to the same decision that you've already come to. So when I was managing that steering committee, I already knew the decision that I needed them to make. I already knew what the outcome was. My job was them to get them on board with it. So I wasn't manipulating them. I was educating them without them feeling threatened that they didn't know enough to make the decision. So by the time we came to the decision 30 days later, they were like, wow, this is the best decision I've ever made. And because I, my role as the intermediary was just to facilitate the conversation, my ego wasn't in it. It wasn't all, oh, but it was my idea. Guys, I need all the credit. It was, <clears throat> I have helped move everyone in the same direction. That is my measure of success. The decision in a way almost becomes irrelevant. Doesn't matter what the decision was supposed to be. We got there. And so as a data scientist, as a developer, as an engineer, you already have more insight into what the decision needs to be is that needs to be made. The challenge is then you need to take your ego out of it and stop saying, but you're doing it wrong. Just do it my way. That's never going to get you very far. It's start to lay that foundation of why the decision that needs to be made is the right one and helping people understand and see the different examples of that, but also the risks of that. You know, Bob, you were talking about a flywheel. That's a really interesting, you know, path that we could go down. What I need to understand for my budget is, you know, is if we invest in this and it doesn't work and let's say the marketing director is let go and we need to hire a new one, is that a risk you're willing to take financially? And so those are the kinds of questions that are more useful versus, Bob, that's a dumb idea. It's never going to work because Bob's not going to hear you, but Bob will hear, oh, it's going to be really expensive to replace the marketing director and none of my ideas as Bob will get done until we replace that person. Ooh, I should probably not get my marketing director fired because I'm selfish and I need someone to do all of my bidding. <laughs> So it sounds like digging into the impact of decisions is the easiest way to, to showcase to somebody, here's, here's what's going to happen if you go on this road, here's what's going to happen if you go on this road. Mm -hmm. And ideally to the point where it, it's obvious which road they should take. And if it's not, you should probably update your LinkedIn profile because you work for an idiot. Well, yeah, that's... So going back to Chris, so let's say I asked you the question, why do, I, why do I care about Google Analytics? Why do I need to upgrade to Google Analytics 4? Now, given this conversation, what would you say to me? So the, here's the thing about this. We use Google Analytics to make decisions about where we're going to spend our money. Uh, because we only have a certain amount of marketing budget and we want to spend it as smartly as possible. We want to get as, as, as many leads generated as possible. That's uh, what we're all, we all agree that that's, that's the, the outcome. We, we need to generate leads so that sales has somebody to sell to. <clears throat> if we don't upgrade to Google Analytics 4, we will lose the ability to know where we're overspending and underspending, which means we will not be able to generate as many leads. We'll burn our, through our budgets faster. And we all get beaten up by sales for you know, essentially not helping them generate the revenue that our company needs to hit as a target. We need to hit a million dollars in revenue this year. If we don't upgrade, probably 50% of our decision making is going to get 
messed up. So we're going to potentially lose half a million dollars if we don't upgrade. And that's a more useful conversation. It's speaking the language, using the terms that the person you're trying to get a decision from cares about. So Chris, you know, I care about revenue. I care about having a filled pipeline. I care about making smart decisions. You have just framed the advice in terms that I'm going to hear that are going to resonate with me personally. And that's the, you know, not so secret secret to <laughs> demonstrating the value of things is, it, you know, it's classic marketing. It's help. It's meeting people where they are. And so, you know, if we're selling vacuums, we're not just going to say this is the greatest vacuum in the whole world, buy it. We're really going to dig into the problem that our audience is having of, you know, do you have long haired dogs and are you struggling to keep up with the tumbleweeds that roll across your floor? You're now speaking language that resonates with me personally. And I'm like, oh, then yes, that is a solution. That's you. It's the same thing with when you're trying to demonstrate the value of the work that you're doing. You're basically marketing what it is you're doing to the unaware audience and trying to, you know, address their pain points. That's really all it comes down to. It's interesting because, you know, we, we talk about you know, selling data science into you know, the C-suite and selling really is the right word there. It is the, it is solution-based selling here. It, you know, here's the, the problem that you have. Here's the impact here. It, the features and the benefits um, that will make your pain go away, right. Or, or will, will make you happier as opposed to just saying, here's the thing. Here's, you know, here's, here's all the things, what the thing does. It's you no, know, here's how buying this thing mm -hmm. will, make your life better and, you know, and make your hair grow longer and, and, you know, remove five years off of your, your nose or whatever the thing is um, that people pitch. And I guess the question then is, so for folks who are in a data science role, in addition to the steps we've outlined, should they be thinking about taking a little bit of sales training to understand how to, to solution sell? Not necessarily. Um, you know, because that I feel like is going to be, I mean, that's sort of like, that's a whole different arena. I think that really what it comes down to is, you know, using things like user stories to understand the pain point of the person that you're trying to talk to. And so, Chris, you know, we've been talking about this a little bit behind the scenes, but, you know, if you're saying, you know, I want to spend money on Google Ads, my first the, where my brain goes is like, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve by doing that? And so I'm asking you essentially for a user story as the you know chief data scientist, I want to spend money on Google ads for whatever the outcome is. And then we can have that conversation of, you know, is that a priority? Is that the right problem you're trying to solve? Like, where does that fit into the overall, you know, strategy for us? And so user stories are a great way to start to have those conversations. So as a data scientist, you know, you don't need to have a solution selling background to be asking me, the CEO, you know, why I do or don't care about using data. You can say, hey, Katie, you know, if I were to say I had a whole new data set for you, what would that mean? You know, and can we put it in turn? Can we do sort of like a little bit of a workshop of putting it in terms of a user story? And it could be like as the CEO, I don't care about data because I'm going to make whatever decision I feel like. Or as the CEO, I need 
even more data because I'm struggling to make decisions about where my audience is. That then gives you those cues to say, okay, I know what kind of data can solve that problem. And then you can start to get that ball rolling of the solutions. So let's do this because I think it would be really fascinating to do a walkthrough of that in the, maybe the next episode or two because I ha would like us to try Spotify radio advertising for Trust Insights. So maybe in a future episode, we can walk through live how to do that business case construction. What are the pieces that I would need to make a case to you uh, that, yes, we should try this or no, we shouldn't try this? You just want me to do your homework for you, Chris. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> but yeah, I do think I do think there's value in it because basically what you're doing when you are trying to demonstrate the value is you are giving someone a business case so that they can make a decision. You're trying to speak their language and understand their pain points so that you can really demonstrate the value of the problem that your thing solves. Exactly. So on that note, if you've got some things you're trying to sell to your executives and, and are struggling with it, why not bring it over to our free Slack group? Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and almost 2,800 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And where it is you watch or listen to this show. Now, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, uh, where we are on pretty much every place. And hey, if you liked today's show or any of our shows, please consider you know leaving us a rating and a review. It really helps out. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon.